Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. And thank you so much, Jenny. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of Do Less Bad, a new way to do more good. Shockingly, this is episode 22. Thanks to everyone who has joined us for 1 through 21. Hope it's been a fun ride for you. I'm Jason Anthorne, co-host of this podcast. During the day, I run a firm called Audacity. We help companies inform, involve, and inspire their employees. And I'm joined, as always, by Do Less Bad co-host Madeline Temple. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Feels like it's been 21 episodes behind us. I don't know. (laughs) Shocking. Shocking. We keep cranking them out whether people want them or not, damn it. (laughs) Well, you know, I'd I'd like to say it's good for wrapping fish, but turns out, you know, it's just all audio. So what are you going to (laughs) do? Audio fish, I guess. I love Uh, it. But for anyone wondering, I'm the brand strategist behind Collective Identity. I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. Head to thecollectiveidentity.com to find out more. All right, let's jump right in. So I have recruiting on my mind, Uh and I'm going to go back to the good old days when it was a simple process, and you would place an ad in a newspaper, if you remember what that was. Wait, what now? You place an ad in what? What is that? What is a newspaper? (laughs) Uh, And you'd have people mail in their resumes with a cover letter. (laughs) Wait, what's that? What's a resume? What's mail? What's mail? Exactly, what's mail? <laughs> but, you know, if you got through that or you're still tracking, you'd interview, you'd make an offer, you'd negotiate, you'd agree on a start date, and you're done. Mm. Oh, man, those were the good old days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in fact, now that work from home has turned into work from office for some companies such as Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and no doubt Netflix is headed that way. Recruiting is actually becoming an even bigger deal as some employees are quitting their jobs <laughs> rather than quit remote working. Oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, and, the uh, big resignation, right? I know. I love it. As in, I just, you know, from from an observer's perspective, I find it fascinating. Well, I, th- I, th- I think it is, too, because I think for a long time, employees have been resigned to the fact that, oh, this is just how it's going to be, and we can't really do anything about it. And then the pandemic came along and just kind of shook everything up. And now I think employees have realized, you know what, it doesn't have to be like this. And if I can't be like I want it to be, then I'll just not just be resigned to it. I'll just resign from it and go and find somebody who will kind of do that thing the right way. Well, that's exactly right, because... If anything, we've learned that some of the quote-unquote temporary ways really are going to be the permanently new ways. That's right. At least for for some people, for some jobs. I think you're right. And I think, you know, everyone, at least employees that I've talked with over this pandemic, have, have really, you know, understood for a long time that this is possible Companies just don't want to do it because they don't want to do it. But if we could technically do it, we could have done it for a long time. And then we had to do it. And then that proved the model. And then now it's kind of a bitter pill to swallow for companies who are like, yeah, and so, well, we tried that. But now we don't have to do it. So everybody needs to come back. And people are like, hold on a minute. Well, right. And if we're, so if, as we're talking about this new employee exodus and you're a recruiter, Uh One of the things that this whole thing about recruiting and the great resignation that got me to thinking is, 
what are you doing to actually keep the employees you have? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say that you've just made an offer. Mm -hmm. How are you going to bring them on and how are you going to use current employees as sort of unofficial recruiters to attract new talent for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the best examples of what reality is like inside that organization and them, you know, those folks more than anything um, can tell your story in a way that is more believable than any way your HR and recruiting teams could ever tell it. Well, that's the thing. It's believable, right? It's you're getting it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And so, of course, what this all comes back to for me, certainly, is this whole process we call onboarding, which I will say that years ago, I I had issues with the word onboarding. I really did. I, I, well, I can say it to you because, you know, you're the only one listening to me. But I, I always just thought about waterboarding. Yes. I, I really exactly. did. <laughs> For a lot of people, that's probably what it feels like. It feels like. I just thought, oh, waterboarding, really? Yeah. And uh, the first time I heard the term, which is granted, admittedly, years and years ago, mm. the first time I went, onboarding? <laughs> yeah, it's just one of right? those terms you're like, oh, well, you know, I guess we might could use that unless we can come up with anything better, and then nobody has. And nobody ever has, and it's laziness. So for our next episode, we will come up with a new word for onboarding. <laughs> yes, um, and we're open to all suggestions, so fire them our way. Give us a write-in. What's a better way, another word to say onboarding? That doesn't make you sound, yeah. Okay, anyway, uh, we won't go there. But anyway, so this whole thing about recruiting, New, getting new employees, and then getting them to stay. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, what do you know? I happened to then, of course, because of serendipity, coincidence, whatever you want to call it. I came across an article in Inc. by Jeff Hayden. It was about, it is about how Google, of course, Google, helps managers to onboard new hires. And I was intrigued because I'm a huge fan of simplicity. Apparently, so is Google. And when I read this article, it turns out that Google has five tips, five ways that if managers follow their advice, Mm. it turns out they will bring their new hires up to speed a month faster. Are you kidding? And in Google terms, that means about 25% faster than those who didn't do it. So it is kind of, when I tell you these five things, and I'm going to tell them to you, it is very much... What happens to me, my reaction is what happens to me when I tell people, I want you to imagine talking to a six-year-old. <laughs> and they look at me, and it's as though I have lost any semblance of brains. I've, I've, I've had the operation. I can't even talk English anymore. And everybody's just saying, you want me to talk to a six-year-old. Well, guess what? Simplicity. So here are the five t- tips that Google promotes to successfully onboard employees. Awesome. Number one, match the new hire with a peer buddy. Mm. Okay. I like that. Number two, help the new hire build a social network. Mm. Three. I think that's very much overlooked. It is. And we'll come back to all of these. Three, set up employee onboarding check-ins once a month for the new hires for six months. Mm. Number Mm. four. Encourage open dialogue. And, okay, drum roll number five. Are you, are you sitting down for this, Jason? Yes, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, because this one, it's, it, it rocked my world. Number mm-hmm. five, meet your new hires on their first day. Ding, ding, ding. Woo-hoo! We 
we have a winner. What a shocker that is. It's we have so a winner. Surprising. Now, I do have a sixth one, ah. which uh, admittedly may not be simplicity, but we're going to get to my sixth one. But here's, here's Google. The, these top five are from Google. Mm-hmm. And again, when I read them, I went, duh. Yeah. And how many people actually do this? That's right. That's right. I love it. It's so simple because um, it's an easy path to follow. And it, but it doesn't feel like most people follow it because, you know, like you said, it really can't be that simple. It's got to be more complicated than that. And it turns out. It's not. If it literally, if you if you only did these five things, you would you would be doing way more than most organizations themselves do. That's the whole thing. I'm looking at them and thinking, oh come on, who doesn't? Okay, maybe maybe number one, right? Match the new hire with a peer buddy. Maybe not, right? Yeah, right. But why wouldn't you? And and for me, match the new hire with a peer buddy. My reaction to that is that only makes sense on a few levels one if it really is a peer mm-hmm. right but then you have to vet this person as in they can't be and and this is where it would definitely get tricky but they can't be the poster child oh. say boy or girl but the poster child for the company as in they're drinking that kool-aid and it's all rah 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 you need somebody who's believable yeah Normal, regular person who doesn't doesn't feel like they're on the payroll for corp comms and saying yes. all the things that they, the company wants them to say. These are people who actually work there, who have a good experience and understand, you know, the ins and outs of things, and they aren't saying nice stuff just to say it. Right, right. But I there was there this number one match the new hire with a peer buddy. It I. Yeah, I'll admit, I pretty much spit my water out when I was reading it the first time mm-hmm. because it reminded me of a company where they prided themselves on every new hire having a mentor. Mm. And the mentor didn't wasn't necessarily somebody very senior. Right. So I, I would say it probably was more along the lines of a peer buddy, but they called it a mentor. But this was years ago. But hey, mm-hmm. you know, credit for them for sure. doing this years and years ago. That's right. Now, now, here's where the joke was and why I spit my water out. Because somehow, I slipped through the cracks. And I didn't get assigned to anybody. <laughs> and I was, I was very, very aware of this. And I found it so funny because they, they were so proud of this yeah. that I never said anything. <laughs> I just, it, it, was, it was my own warped sense of humor. And you're going, what's so funny about this? It's just the way I am, right? So I found it really funny. But what did end up happening to me was at some point I was having a conversation with my boss and he and I were politely disagreeing about something. And he said, well, you know, how, how is your mentor weighed in on this? Uh. And that's when I sort of uh, you know, lowered the boom. I said, what? What mentor? And he said, well, you know, so-and-so who you were, you know, you were assigned to in your first day. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame <laughs> it was it, it was very funny though but it what was especially funny was he had to actually then walk back everything he said to me yeah. because i'd never been assigned the mentor <laughs> right you're right you know and i think that's a that's a huge point madeline because it's it's the consistency to do that every single time it's following that process so that employees 
um, that you're onboarding have the same experience and based on that experience then from a culture perspective you know there's a certain foundation in place that you can build off of and if you skip that step with you know every other one or every tenth one or even one you know then you're going to have an inconsistent culture as a result correct right and you go well okay yeah. and this one i find a little i i see why they do it but I, it's also a little maybe it's just the word social the social network that gets to me mm-hmm. help the new hire build a social network now what they may actually mean is truly social right get to sure. know other people in the company yeah that i'm totally in agreement with whereas when i also read social network i'm going you mean my online persona yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> what social I, network are we referring to? That's right. And I think that's even more true now, you know, particularly if you're onboarding folks and they're, you know, they're working from home or remote or they're only in the office on a hybrid model. You know, it, it becomes even more important, I think, to help them build that and introduce them to other people across the organization that they might not just come across you know, naturally, uh, given the way sort of work right works there. now. Right there across the organization. Yeah. Stop just introducing them to people in your department. Right. Introduce them to people across the company, all different jobs. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you really help somebody fit in and understand how and what the company does. That's right. If if the only people they know are others who are doing similar things to them, you know, in marketing or comms or HR or even finance or whatever the function might be doesn't help them understand what anybody else in the organization does and then they can't just start making those little mind map connections between ah now i get it we're in this business and these are the people who do that and here's how i help support that if they don't really make that connection they can read all the stuff that hr provides them uh, and they still just won't get it they can but does anybody ever really read that stuff hr gives them? Mm, you know you know how it is. Some of that stuff I write, and I know people aren't reading. <laughs> I know they aren't reading it. Sometimes now, it let me want to put like somewhere back on page eighteen. If you've gotten this far, email this person, and they'll give you a hundred dollar gift card. <laughs> and well, you would never give out a hundred dollar gift card. It actually because that's what happened when when Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote Goodwill Hunting. Mm. They wanted to see if anybody was reading the script. So about two thirds in, they put in something in the script that made absolutely no sense at all (laughs) and if you read it you'd be going what the heck is happening here Uh and they said that the reason they went with with whatever partner Uh they went with they were the only ones who asked them about that page (laughs) and so they knew they read it they read the script (laughs) that's right that's right i'm always tempted to do that but then i'm a little bit scared to know the answer (laughs) sometimes you don't want confirmation sometimes it's it's better it's better not yeah i'll just go with my hunch that they're not reading it rather than have it slapped in the face with it (laughs) so so this now that we're talking about all this i'm going number four encourage open dialogue well they didn't say the truth they just said open dialogue Uh, that's right (laughs) we want you to talk openly but maybe not always truthfully Uh, because i i was i worked at a company once where somebody sent an email to some very senior people and the when i when i read this email my jaw dropped Not because I found anything offensive in this email. If anything, I was laughing. I 
I, I just wanted to hug the person who wrote this email, <laughs> except I was also thinking, oh, you believe them when they said they wanted to hear what you really thought. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is what we say, but I don't know that this is what we really... Really. Yeah. There's parameters. And you know what? There, There's always parameters, but... What does open dialogue really mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because everybody's got a different definition of that. And that's why number one is so important about having the beer buddy. Because they can tell you, this is what they say, but here's really how things go around here. And if you don't know that, you might be a little too open with your dialogue, you know, that they're going to, you know, discourage that. But they're also going to be a little bit put off if you don't kind of follow the norms around there. Well, it it reminds me of the... The dictionary of, so I lived in in the UK in London for 10 years, and there was an American-British dictionary. Mm -hmm. When a Brit says X, he really Mm -hmm. means Y. Mm -hmm. And it's very helpful for Americans. (laughs) Mm, I like that. And that's what this is. Well, when they say this, it really means (laughs) this. That's right. You know, it's like you need your slang dictionary, your urban dictionary. Uh Uh-huh. Translator. I love that. you got to have some sort of translation there about what it really means and how you should really act. And if you don't sort of understand those things, then you come off looking like, I'm just a little bit of an outsider, which at first is fine. But then over time, it's like, you're too much of an outsider. (laughs) You need to drink at least a little bit of our Kool-Aid that we've provided. Well, that's right, because you will get, at a certain point, the mark that's against you in pencil that can be erased. Yeah. If anybody ever had a pencil anymore. But if they did, that is actually going to turn into permanent ink. That's right. That's right. And And again, like we talked about, you know, in these days of everything being online with Zoom and Teams and whatever else, you know, you just want to make sure that you understand those things and and can kind of, you know, either understand them and act that way anyway or... You know, not fully understand them and then hold back a little bit. But I, I think it's just, I think it behooves organization to, to help their employees understand those things, either through peer buddies or, you know, a little bit deeper part of the onboarding process so that people don't end up making fools out of themselves when they don't really mean to. It's one thing when you really mean to do it, but most yeah. people don't really mean to and they don't want to do it. Okay, so tell me this, number three, which was set up employee onboarding check-ins once a month for the new hires for six months. Mm. Have you either experienced that yourself or been to a place or heard of a place where you knew that standard? Well, I, I mean, there have been a few clients who have that as a standard, but again, you know, it's... But does it happen? Somewhat inconsistent. Um, I think people have good intentions, but... Uh, work starts getting to be work and oh let's move our meeting uh, let's move our meeting and the next thing you know they haven't had it uh, that month um, and out of the six months they've only had maybe two um, but that's a that's a huge missed opportunity to just find out you know everything that's going on in the new hire's mind and including about their experience about being onboarded and, and what that's been like and whatever adjustments you need to make and so I think you know there are companies who say they believe that, but there just seems to be sort of inconsistent um, application of that. And then there's tons that just don't even think about that at all. Okay, they're here. 
Um, you're on your own. Let us know if you have any questions. Well, hell, I don't even know what questions I'm supposed to have. You know, I need time to kind of understand that. And I would like more ongoing dialogue if I can get that. And you're like, nope, just let us know if you have any problems. Because I've never been anywhere at any company hmm. where there was a check-in once a month for the, for the new hire for the first six months. So, so in essence, six check-in meetings. My reaction is, I was lucky if I got one. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Pretty rare. Again, I think people say it, but they don't do it. Most people don't even say it, but even the ones who do, I don't think they do it. Certainly not six months in a row. And and the last one really cracked me up. And of course, meat means many things. So I'm not, you know, meat to me can be obviously pre-pandemic in person, mm. on the phone, video call, whatever. Mm-hmm. But meet your new hires on their first day. And I went, who doesn't do that? Mm-hmm. But clearly there's got to be people who aren't doing that. There's tons of people not doing got that. got written on a list. That's right. I think there's tons of people who don't do that. And it just seems so odd to me. You know, somebody comes over to your house and they're going to have dinner with you and your friends and there's a party and all that. And you don't greet them. You don't welcome them. You don't make them. You know, why would you not do that in your professional? It makes no sense, particularly if you're the leader. Why wouldn't you? automatically think why would you why would this have to be number five on a list how is that even possible that was actually the one that got me where where i, I kind of laughed and I, I said well obviously it's a problem if they've put it here right but it's it is the you know talk like a section duh uh, <laughs> you think yeah it's kind of like 5b is like and call them by their correct name <laughs> really <laughs> Shocking. That's a good that one. Unbelievable. These HR people are brilliant. Oh my gosh, I'm actually going to add that. Make sure you call them by the correct name. Um, so all of this got me thinking too, uh, well, since we have five, whether we want to go with sixth right name or 5B, right? So <laughs> there is one I would like to add. And of course, after I'm done, Jason, please feel free to add your own. Uh-huh. And, you know, believe me, if it's I will admit it is not on Google's top five, so therefore it's probably irrelevant, but I just want to put it up there. And and mine is this. So it's part of meeting with your new employee. So I totally agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. But what I would love to see happen is have the manager discuss exactly what the goals are of the company, the financial, employee, ESG, whatever these goals are. And show exactly how the employee's job is going to enable them to help the company meet their goals. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, what it means to meet the goals is then tell these employees how they're going to be evaluated in performance reviews. Take out a performance review, hand them a performance review and go, Mm -hmm. this is what your review is going to look like in six months or a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want people to spell out, here's the goal. Here's how you help us get there. Here's what you're evaluated on as part of onboarding. That's right. That's so important. And it rarely happens. Even even in companies where, you know, they're probably pretty good at onboarding. I have seen it over and over and over again where the company has goals and objectives. And then those are supposed to be flowed down through the organization so that every job description, every role, every performance review, and all the duties and responsibilities are all tied to accomplishing whatever those five or six sort of core things are. And to your point, if they would sit folks down early on in this new job and say, all right, here's the deal, 
here's what we're trying to accomplish, and here's how what you do day in and day out, every single day and week, drives those things. I think that would be so incredible because it would have such an impact across the organization. And, and of course, you know, as work ebbs and flows, priorities are going to change. And when they do, great. Let's swap some new ones out for some of these old ones that we don't think we're going to need to do anymore. But still, they need to be matched to those overall KPIs that the organization is focused on. I Well, clearly I'm in total agreement. But there we go. We have... Five plus one, Madeline's sixth rule. So That's right. here, we, uh, what do you know? We've wrapped up another episode. So Jason, why don't you take us to our top three summary? Well, let's see. So I really like the first one um, of these three, which is match the new hire with a peer buddy. You know, somebody in the organization that they can turn to with questions easy or hard or casual or professional, somebody who's going to tell them the straight skinny about what to do and why and how and, you know, all the history that they've ever wanted to know so that, you know, they've got somebody that they can trust who isn't just, you know, truly kind of a mouthpiece for the brand, but somebody who has the company and that person's best interest in mind. And then I think the second one is, you know, when you're setting up these employee onboarding check-ins once a month, Stick to that, you know. It doesn't have to be six months. That would be ideal. Some places it might need to be 12 months. (laughs) But it's certainly more than just, hey, welcome, here's your cube, let us know if you have any questions. It's an opportunity to have an ongoing dialogue and help that person continue to put their evolving knowledge of what's going on around them into context um, so that you've got multiple opportunities to really sit down and focus uh, around those conversations. Now, of course, all through that period, there's going to be you know opportunities to do that on a day-in and day-out basis, but to have specific focus time to talk about those things, I think is incredibly important. I'm going to do our third one, and I'm going to amend it slightly. Mm-hmm. So it is one sentence with three points to it. Because okay. I believe they're all important. So one, number three, I should say, meet your new hires on their first day, mm-hmm. call them by their actual name, yes, <laughs> and spell out success for them in their job. That's right. That's right. Because there's the job description, and then there's the actual role. Sometimes, most times, those things are different. So yes. to your point, you've got to tell them what success looks like, and it's rarely do exactly what's on this job description. Yes, agreed. I love it. I love it. All right. This has been great. I really like this conversation, uh, particularly in light of the big resignation. (laughs) Now that they've named it, it's actual thing. So it's happening all around us. We can enjoy that like a brand. Yep. So that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And, of course, for all the comments and suggestions we've received uh, all along the way. Keep those coming through social media Email, smoke signals, whatever it is that you need to do to reach out to us. We're open to all of those things and love them. You can head over to dolessbad.com or you can reach out to us on Twitter and or Instagram at do underscore less underscore bad uh, with all of your thoughts, suggestions, and comments. And so until next time, we'll be talking to you um, in a couple of weeks. And while we're away... Please remember that doing good can be just as simple as doing less bad of anything. Okay, take us out, Jenny.
You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad.